Welcome to the Sea Trade Maritime Podcast, and you're listening to Marcus Hand, editor of Sea Trade Maritime News. In this latest episode of Maritime in Minutes, we take a look back at some of the most important and interesting stories we covered on SeaTrade-Maritime.com in August. Just before I move into the news roundup, some listeners might have noticed I called this the Sea Trade Maritime Podcast. We are rebranding to reflect our strong heritage of over 50 years in shipping with the Sea Trade Maritime name and align with other products across our portfolio of events and digital media, including Sea Trade Maritime News. Europe editor Gary Howard's on leave for a couple of weeks, so you're stuck with just me for a review of August in Maritime, but I promise you there is plenty to talk about. At the very start of August, we saw a development many had been waiting for, not only those in shipping. The first great shipment of grain from the port of Odessa in Ukraine since the Russian invasion back in March. In the early hours of the 1st of August, the bulk of Rizzoni sailed from the port of Odessa, carrying 26,000 tons of corn destined for Lebanon. Following agreement between Ukraine, Russia and the UN under the Black Sea Grain Initiative, Coordinates have been established to create a humanitarian maritime corridor. The corridor took off quickly, and by 5th August, we reported three more vessels leaving Ukraine ports and one more arriving. With operations starting to become more routine, the corridor has dropped from daily global headlines. Supply chain and disruption, including that caused by the conflict in Ukraine, do continue to make the headlines and the first week of August saw us returning to one of its beneficiaries, container lines that continue to rack up ever larger profits. The world's largest public listed container line and bellwether for the sector, AP Muller Maersk, added a cool 7 billion to its full year profit forecast just before announcing its Q2 results, revising up its full year earnings outlook to a whopping $37 billion EBITDA. Putting the results in historical perspective, Maersk reported an EBITDA of $10.3 billion for the second quarter of 2022. That's a figure which is almost double its full-year profit of 2019, which was $5.7 billion. Its second quarter results this year, though, did show spot rates weakening, but with 72% of its customers' cargo moved on long-term contracts, this has little impact in the near term. Moving on to the second week of August, and the first story I've chosen to highlight is actually another episode of the Maritime Podcast, where we talk to Vasilios Dimitriades, the shipping deputy minister of the Republic of Cyprus. The conversation included the government's strategic vision for Cyprus shipping, Sea Change 2030, how Cyprus handled the pandemic in relation to crew change and seafarer vaccination, and the digitalization of Cyprus's maritime sector. The minister made a strong statement on Cyprus's commitment to the sector, saying, But I would also like to see Cyprus' contribution for better shipping globally to be further enhanced, because I do believe that as maritime nations, as countries passionate about shipping, we do need to see the role of the civil society acknowledging more shipping and recognizing the role of shipping to the mind. And we do have our role to play there. 
So I want to see Cyprus more visible in this common objective to promote shipping global. It's worth remembering there remains a much less sophisticated and grimmer side to shipping. That's why for the second story in week two of August, I've chosen to highlight the crew of the vessel Onda, abandoned at Anchorage in the port of Dakar in December 2021. The International Transport Workers Federation, ITF, drew attention to the plight of the four crew left on the vessel. The ITF described the vessel, with a broken down engine and no electricity and no lights, as a sitting duck just a few kilometres west of Africa's main shipping lane. Steve Trousdale, Inspectorate Coordinator of the ITF, said, an unlit vessel positioned there at night puts the lives of the Ondas seafarers in immediate danger, as well as those of any ship passing by. There has already been one near miss. If an oil tanker crashes through the Onda, there will be an environmental as well as a human disaster. Attempts by the ITF to get the port to tow the vessel for repairs were met with the response that they were too busy. Seafarer abandonment is an issue we will return to at the end of this episode. If you're enjoying listening, make sure you never miss an episode of the Maritime Podcast by subscribing on the app of your choice. Moving into week three, and the rampant profitability of the container shipping sector that we covered in week one has spawned some pretty unusual business opportunities over the last year, such as carrying boxes in the holds of bulk carriers. But perhaps the most out there of plans was by tanker owner Concordia to convert a product tanker into a container ship, which we covered back in the February episode of Maritime Minutes. However, announcing its mid-year results, Concordia said it had put the project on hold. While it found it technically feasible to convert one of its PMAX tankers into a 2100DU capacity container ship, finding agreement with an end customer was to prove more difficult in uncertain times. It's also worth noting that the product tanker market staged a remarkable recovery in Q2, with the average MR spot rate rising from $19,000 a day at the start of Q2 to $43,000 per day by the end of June. Meanwhile, the container shipping market and its customers were gearing up for the impact of a strike by 1,900 port workers at the UK's largest port of Felixstowe, set for 21st to 28th of August. You may remember Gary spoke about this story at the end of last month's episode, expressing the possibility it might not actually happen. However, by mid-August it was clear the strike was going to take place as talks broke down between the Union Unite and the port run by Hutchison Ports. So, just how much impact would a strike at the port that handles 48% of the UK's containerized volumes actually have? Well, according to Russell Group, some $800 million worth of trade. This was based on analysing past trade flows in August at the port of Felixstowe. Of that $800 million, clothing accounted for some $82.8 million and electronic components a further $32.3 million. While the strike may have ended, there is a threat of more action to come, so keep an eye out on seatrade-maritime.com for updates. Moving into week 4 of August, and just north of the equator in Singapore, the country's port was hitting the headlines for very different reasons. 
It was featured in Prime Minister Lee Hsien Loong's annual National Day Rally Address. In his nationally broadcast speech, PM Lee noted that the country's seaport and airport played a critical role in putting the city-state on the global stage. In particular, he focused on the development of Tuas Port and how it will utilize technology such as AI and driverless trucks, reskilling the port's workforce for these technological changes. This is what he had to say. And this smooth transition owes much to our port workers, unions, PSA, MPA, the Maritime and Port Authority. Management and unions worked hand in glove to retrain workers and help them adapt to new working environments. And on their part, workers picked up new skills, upgraded themselves and became more productive. We have just completed phase one of Tuas Port and phases two, phase three and phase four will follow. When it's fully completed about 20 years from now, Tuas Port will handle 65 million TEUs annually, almost double today's volumes. We will have the world's largest fully automated port and that should make us a leading global player in the maritime space. The other story I've chosen to highlight in week four is a particularly interesting one from our correspondent, Paul Bartlett. The upcoming EEXI and CII environmental regulations from the IMO are set to increase the number of ships being scrapped as older ships fail to meet the standard and upgrading them to do so would not be economically viable. This would sound like good news for GMS, the world's largest cash buyer of vessels for recycling. Chief Sustainability Officer for GMS makes the point that ship construction is a carbon-intensive business, particularly in terms of steel requirements, but also in the building of many other ship components, as well as coatings and other processes. Replacing the vintage assets could actually result in higher carbon emissions. Just what the carbon footprint of constructing a new build is, we're not sure but it's certainly an interesting point of view. That brings me to the end of the month and week five. As promised, when talking about the plight of four seafarers stranded on the Balka Onda off the port of Dakar, for the very final part of August, we are returning to the topic of seafarer abandonment. A record that no one wanted to see broken is set for a new high this year, the number of seafarer abandonment cases. Over the last two and a half years of the pandemic, cases of companies abandoning their seafarers on ships around the world have sadly increased sharply, with a record 95 cases reported last year to the IMO and International Labour Organization Joint Database on the Abandonment of Seafarers, and this number is set to be even higher this year. Speaking at the International Safety at Sea Conference in Singapore, Dr. Heike Degum, Director, Maritime Safety Division of the IMO, said so far this year 74 cases of seafarer abandonment had been reported to the IMO ILO database. As a result, she said it could be assumed we were heading for a record number of abandonment cases this year. It's a story Sea Trade Maritime newsreaders found both shocking and predictable, as comments on my LinkedIn feed reflected. To quote two of the comments, it's shocking and sad. It is shameful to note these events in present day in the ever-connected world. And another one, no surprises, tragically. On that fairly sobering note, we have come to the end of this month's episode 
of Maritime in Minutes. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please recommend it to your friends or colleagues who you think might find it useful. And do remember to sign up on the app of your choice. Until the next episode of the Sea Trade Maritime Podcast, stay safe. <laughs>